You are listening to Be Simply. This is Suzanne Toro, a.k.a. She. You can anticipate being inspired, discovering some inner and outer wisdom and inspiration. Without further ado, let's dive into Be Simply. Welcome. This is Suzanne, and I want to thank you for being here. We're doing our Soul Sound and Silence uh, on Monday again this week, <laughs> and or whenever you choose to listen to this segment. So the last segment we did Samadhi, the first part of it, and if you haven't listened to it, the link is below, and you might want to listen to that first or after. Uh, so we're spiraling around, so it'll all work out. And so last week, I really recommended that we take this in small bites and because it's a, a hmm, you know, a lot of people can intellectualize this, <laughs> but the actual practice to get to this place is, uh, takes a lot of discipline, effort, and it's, you know, some people might be like, oh, I don't want to do that. But there, there is a reward for that uh, because you get to be on the other side of it and you get to be of service to all beings. And that is uh, a gift in itself. So <laughs> uh, what I had recommended last week is just to check in with yourself to see uh, where your obstacles are and what will happen as you get closer and closer to this point of samadhi and you may have reached this as I mentioned in other lifetimes but used up all your nirvana credit because maybe you did it for yourself and then you're uh, back here in this world system uh, potentially being of service to others and maybe giving it the effort to do it for all beings. In addition, uh, you might have already reached Nirvana and be at a Bodhisattva vow. And for those that, um, where you're constantly reinforcing your Bodhisattva vows and still you have to reach Samadhi uh, again in this lifetime. So, you know, if you're in a human suit, <laughs> uh, the work is still to be done. Uh, and so a lot of people might pontificate about being enlightened or so forth, but a good rule of thumb is if you're in a human suit, <laughs> you're, you're not enlightened. Uh, there are some really beautiful, beautiful beings that are, uh, close to that state and will um, reach their Buddhahood at the end of this lifetime and more than likely uh, liberate at least themselves and I'm sure their efforts are to try to liberate us all and if they are successful then wow that'll be exciting so for you in this moment as it relates to the system of yoga is that we have this opportunity to work towards this. And as I've mentioned, it's a, it's an inner facet system. So it's not like a linear system. <clears throat> I like to say it's spiraling out. And as you do the work, it keeps unfolding, similar to 
the karma teachings, they keep unfolding. So there's a baseline intellectual understanding, then there's the practice. And as you practice, then more is revealed to you. And I've mentioned this before. That's why they'll call certain teachings secret teachings. It's not because anything's hidden. It's because it's not revealed until the student practices and then comes into greater alignment with themselves. So from there, uh, I wanted to just share a little bit about, you know, why it's important to check in with these obstacles is because this is where some of the karmic liberation and inner work is. And then, so if you focus on that, that can also assist you in this process. And if you're really, um, stuck in any of these areas, it's important to pay attention so you can not bypass where you're headed. So those obstacles, as I mentioned last time, uh, if you have any disharmony in the body, uh, fatigue, uh, where you're being maybe careless or you're questioning a lot of things, you're questioning yourself in particular, or the outside world. Uh, maybe you're lazy, you just don't have it in you right now. Uh, there's a attachment, meaning in our culture, it's codependency. And then the other big obstacle is delusion. So we create a delusion for ourselves, and we tell ourselves that something is a certain way. And this has been very prevalent, especially over the past 10 to 20 years. It's gotten more and more, I would say, extreme for humanity because people decide something is a certain way and hold on to it. And sometimes they're outright lies, but they're doing it for such short sighted reasons and short sighted gains, perceptual gains. So this is a time for all of us as humans here on planet earth to really, uh, pay attention because we are, uh, in still in <laughs> the dark ages because of the suffering that exists on this planet. That's how we can tell. And, you know, in a tribal situation, that's how we can see how well this, the tribe is based on how the tribe is functioning and working and is everyone healthy and well. So if we look at our society at large, we know that the society at large is not healthy and well. Now we can't take all of that on as our, for ourselves, but we can do our inner work and maintain our own harmony and balance. And so as we work to work out these obstacles, these um, hindrances, karmic hindrances, uh, in this lifetime that will assist us to start to cultivate Samadhi. And as I mentioned last week that it, you know, isn't an easy task to achieve Samadhi. Uh, and it's not easy to maintain. So once you can have like maybe little glimpses of it to hold on to it, is a practice in itself. So I don't mean to discourage anyone. I just want everyone to understand that it's worth the effort. It's worth the effort because that benefits not just yourself, but the world at large. Things start to shift the things you, how you want to serve, how you want to show up. Your integrity is stronger. Uh, your core guiding principles are there. You're in harmony with the ecosystem. And there's not a lot of questions. You just are, are there and going for it. So I want to encourage you. And I also want to be uh, realistic. Uh, 
uh, because you can get into the peace, love, happiness movements and everyone can like, you know, trance out on the idea of love and compassion and it feels good. You know, it's like taking a, I don't know, a bath and uh, just this elixir that is divine and feels beautiful. Um, and then from there, you know, when you've washed yourself and purified yourself with that energy, you know, we still, as we would say in the Tao, have to chop wood and get water uh, because our brothers and sisters may be suffering uh, more than ourselves. And so if we spend too much time uh, being distracted by that feeling or by these other obstacles, we'll forget that, you know, our main focus is to refine self and reach higher states of being. So these, you might notice some of these in your actual asana, these obstacles in your asana practices that, you know, you might be restless in the physical body, heavy breathing, your mind might be agitated. And this is where the, the system is grasping in the mind, the mental body, the emotional body, the physical body and or the spiritual body. Um, and then once we practice this focus and get the mind settled, these things can calm down and then the mind becomes more like a clear, still lake. And then that love energy, that authentic heart energy starts to be cultivated and, uh, there's just more of joy and there's more compassion towards those that suffer and really pure happiness, no envy towards the pure and also just neutrality uh, towards those that are really in it, you know, might be deep into Dante's Inferno. And so what happens then, that's a little recapitulation from last week. So I hope you tuned in, you reflect, you're aware, and you're acknowledging, you're being uh, radically honest with yourself where you're at and what needs addressed. And uh, to be noted, as soon as you start addressing these things, other things might come up. So I'm here, reach out if you need some support, uh, because when karma starts ripening and we start doing this inner work, things can get be get revealed to us that are shocking um, in, from our interior out. Uh, and that's the same with karmic work. You know, when we're addressing these karmic issues, it can be a little shocking and then humbling. Uh, humility f quickly follows because the ego is softening and then you're like, whoa, wow. There's a lot of that going on. Like, wow. <laughs> um, but there's no reason to get stuck too much there. And that's why reach out because you want to be like, ooh, thank goodness I saw that. Thank goodness I'm humbled and let's keep moving forward. So we don't want to feel shame or remorse. Uh, there might, I guess, regret would be a better word, uh, but that allows you to keep moving forward and not uh, staying stuck in the past, just moving forward. So as we settle the mind more and more, then uh, the observer, the seer, as they're getting closer to the state of samadhi, they're able to see uh, observe what is outside of themselves, uh, because all of that work, all that clearing and refining has been done. There still might be more to do, but they start to see, and this is why I'll tell people, you know, we don't need Google <laughs> spying on us or whatever, or tracking all our information because all things are visible. And the, the more settled your mind is, 
the easier it is for you to see what is because you're not attachments wanting to see what is. And at this state, uh, you start the state of absorption happens where it just is what is, is being, uh, starting to happen. Um, but that, that first stage, you're just basically the object of attention is, we'll call it obtuse or large, uh, it's still mingled in with your mind. So we'll say if you were, you're starting to see the mind settled yet you're still associating things. You still have some cognitive work to do or neural pathways to be remapped. And so you're not seeing the true nature, but you're, you're starting to, there's, there's this, there's the beginning of the process of seeing or the object being seen for truly what it is. And then, um, from there, the mind goes into the second stage is where the memories become purified. So this is where we have a lot of attachments. We tend to grasp towards those things that, uh, I don't know, made us feel good. We, uh, or that caused us pain. We kind of wear these stories on our sleeve and we see a lot of this in society right now. So as the, the mind becomes more and more settled, the memories are purified and then the mind is quiet enough to be absorbed in the focus, the, the, the attention. And so it's not distracted by what we use this word a lot, like triggers. It just becomes neutral. It's like, ah, you know, I see. And so this is a, a great place to start to notice uh, where your past traumas and everything are just neutral where you can walk around it and you're like, oh, okay, it's neutral. I see it, I can observe it, but I'm not reacting to it. And that's how we know when true healing has occurred uh, because there is no more electromagnetic charge to it. We're living right now in a society where, you know, we have these devices where people go back and they read what they wrote and they relive conversations. So it's actually kind of a detriment to be able to keep revisiting and then people will share this information uh, in ways that wasn't really intended. If I'm communicating to you or you to me, it's between you and I. Once we start involving everyone, and that's what social media kind of does, involves everyone, it creates a lot more distractions. So we really want the mind to be quiet and purified and enough to absorb what we're engaging with, with attention and focus. Um, and then as we, uh, deepen this even further and it's, gosh, this is so interesting to give words to, to this, but as we deepen this process, uh, the, there's a subtleness too. So imagine you're in a room and you're looking at a bottle and you're observing it and the mind's clear. Just see the bottle for what the bottle is. I'm going to keep it really simple. And so you see the bottle um, and th there it is. And it's sitting there. Maybe it has some water in it. See the water. So there's just this kind of like basic, that first stage. And then the mind 
gets a little bit quieter and it's able to absorb the uh, between you and the object a little bit deeper and maybe it, it can feel who's touched this bottle, where this bottle's been, who filled the bottle with the liquid. Um, and then it goes a little bit deeper, you know, in that third and fourth stage because it becomes really subtle. Sometimes it's not even like words, it's just you're absorbing this observation of what is in front of you so subtle yet there's information gathered and at that time those subtle absorptions of let's say this bottle give us a sense of creation what's beyond it you know in the same when we you know retire those senses we see beyond it so uh and this lets us go way, way beyond what is just this bottle. And so this is why <laughs> it's so fascinating. You know, uh, as you sharpen your senses, you become aware of all these things that most people are not aware of. And you can see if someone's present, if they're present in the space, if they're willing to uh, show up and and really absorb what is just through the action of presence at that first level. And then when we start to go a little bit deeper, all these other subtle things come in. And it's a really deep level of way of how to even engage with nature. So if we leave it out of human to human, but if you go out into nature, you see, oh, there's a tree. And then you absorb it a little bit deeper. And I really want to encourage everyone not to create stories like, oh, the tree's talking to me or the bottle's talking to me or I saw that this bottle was in the village of Rwanda and three kids touched it. Don't make up stories. It's just a real subtle absorption and there's a deep knowing in these higher states of samadhi. Um, and then from there, as we go beyond, way beyond, you know, um, we start to see the extended ecosystem beyond self, how we relate to it. And then we start really uh, cultivating this inner light within us. And that's why that sometimes when we start to cultivate this awareness and see beyond and we're feeling ourself and the light of our spiritual light, our soul, the, the divine within you. When the ego isn't completely uh, shed, so to speak, it doesn't mean that you don't use your intellect and it doesn't mean that you don't um, have to engage, especially if you're not in a monastery in this lifetime. So you're, you're still engaging in the world around you, but this light is rising up and it it's very blissful. It feels very uh, good. And when you're still engaging with the world in a very 3D manner and you're starting to feel that, you'll start to see the ego uh, engage in a way that you might feel it as a sense of power, which is, that's a great time to remind yourself, soften your gaze, soften your gaze, settle down your energy, bring it down, 
Don't blow everyone out of the room. <laughs> just, just be. And so it's a practice. And what happens with that light, just similar if we have a choice with our emotions, did a segment on um, anger uh, the week before last, is that even when we have these emotions, right? Uh, we have a choice when, when they're occurring. And so when we finally master what those are, those emotions, we'll get more and more refined with it so we can utilize it and we won't waste our precious energy. The same thing is when we're cultivating these, these stages of samadhi, we want to not give way. So when you start to have these perceptions, and if you're working with a teacher, you know, uh, it's important to be working with someone that understands this in a way that, you know, and, you know, when I work with students, I make sure that they're ready. You know, so there's oftentimes is super they may not be ready for also the next because one and can get so, lost, you know, like for the process, starting but to have it's helpful to have states someone of awareness and we're not sure where they're coming from. There's a process to help hold the student accountable, checks and balances. Uh, because people can get very, very lost, especially even just in a simple meditation practice. They can get lost in their thoughts, never uh, truly master clearing the mind. And all of that is necessary before we even go into these stages of samadhi uh, and can start to feel what it feels like to really cultivate that spiritual light. But as mentioned in the system of yoga, you're going to be touching on it. So you might be in this very euphoric, beautiful place when you're in a class or in a group meditation or a solo meditation. And then from there, uh, it'll keep enriching uh, and deepening when you start to uh, touch on your inner light, your divinity, the Buddha within you. So ultimately, as that energy rises up you start to perceive only the truth and i call it the what is uh and sometimes that what is uh has not sometimes always <laughs> has a lot of different things feeding into it so it's easy in a dualistic world to get offended to get hurt but when we step back and start to see the truth the truth of the situation is then uh, we can operate from a, a different place of service because no longer are we operating from this dualistic place and we see things in their totality uh, where prior to here we might only see them from a certain lens. And that's why I always share with people, we know when we're, we're complete with a karmic um, liberation or un untied all the karmic knots within a certain ancestral evolution or pattern. There's many things that we all are destined to walk through. Um, and so once we've completed that, that's where we start to see all sides and we step away. Now, this is the, the tricky part because we, we start to see that and then we'll, we'll start to see it, you know, maybe in all aspects of our life, but it's a humbling process because you're like, whoa, <laughs> I just seen that before. But 
it, that's why this is such an interesting topic to discuss and explain because I'm trying to explain something that isn't necessarily explainable until you experience it. Yet this gives us our wayfinding for till we get there. And so ultimately, um, we, when we get to this place and see things for truly what they are, then this like is that tipping point where we start to get set three, set three, set free, <laughs> set three. Uh, and what happens at this point is that there aren't any more impressions that is AKA karma that we've made that will impact us in future lives. So at that tipping point, then we starting to see the totality, see things for what they are. And then we're very conscious of how we're to show up and we're not grasping at things. We're not suffering. Uh, and we have this beautiful opportunity to see what it's like to be, uh, gosh, an unbound consciousness within self and then how we utilize that unbound consciousness to serve the world around us. And so all of that happens. <laughs> it sounds so funny. Unbound consciousness. All of that happens when the mind is finally settled. Uh, so everything, all the suffering that you have, all, all the afflictions, addictions, grasping, all start here in your mind. And that's what goes with you into the next. And it's not until you release that completely that you get to start to enter into this, uh, these gateways of kind of crossing over beyond uh, the dualistic reality that we create oftentimes. And so, you know, it, it, it is a practice of rather than fighting yourself just surrendering to self and seeing what else is available you know and obviously when things are really going well in one's life and maybe you feel like there aren't any hindrances oftentimes people slack off on their spiritual practice their yogic practice yet that's the time to be even more disciplined because you have more juice to give it and then when you have a hindrance or an obstacle coming up, still keep giving it juice because that'll help you break through onto the other side. And so as you contemplate, you know, where you are, and I, again, I encourage you to just take an evaluation within your own life right now and see where am I at? Uh, where do I need to really focus my attention? And typically if we focus on one area of like, let's say it's your body, because that is holding karma in your body. And you say, okay, I got to focus on this or my mind's super busy. I got to focus on quieting this mind down. What will happen is that all things will get engaged. And then if we apply all limbs of yoga, uh, they will also engage us in helping balance the system. And then by our discipline, our focus and forward motion, we'll start to reach these layers of Samadhi. And these, these gateways, I'll call them, of Samadhi is basically that you're kind of clunky at first and then it gets more subtle, subtle, subtle and refined. 
And then you get to a point where you're you're really cleared and you're purified in a way that you you've learned how to navigate uh, the world in a way that you can, as uh, that famous JC Jesus guy said, <laughs> uh, be in the world but not of it. And I would say that's the best uh, interpretation of those words is that. To be in the world and not of it is to be at a place of samadhi, to be at a place of enlightenment, uh, in body, living, breathing Buddha. Uh, And those are very rare. You know, as I mentioned, if you're in a physical body, you're probably not enlightened yet. I know a couple, uh, and I can count like two uh, beings personally, not that are held up on a pedestal uh, that I would say they are in this world but not of it. And so if inspired I appreciate for those of you that have gone through all these eight limbs and the little extra time that it's taken us to go through this what I would recommend is just really figuring out where you're being called to focus on in the mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual body and focus there and daily since you know all our suffering originates in our mind (laughs) uh, do do your meditative repose that will help settle the mind and then if you want assistance if you want a guide in this process please reach out it would be my honor to assist those who are ready and uh, want to put in the efforts to reaching higher states of being within self. So what we're going to do now is we're going to dive into the uh, silent meditation. So what you'll do is you'll come up if you're not already there in a seated position. And I want to thank you for listening and receiving my words. And please feel free to email me if you have any questions at s, like Suzanne, at suzantoro.com and then take a nice gentle breath in and then exhale out another one inhale and exhale One more inhale. And exhale. Good. And then gently, just utilizing a soft, gentle gaze at the spot in front of you or closing your eyes if that's more comfortable. And then just following your breath, allowing your breath to be your focal point. And then as the sounds come on, feel free to uh, recline into Shavasana and let yourself fully surrender to self.
taking a soft, gentle breath into your heart center, gently breathing in and out. Again, inhale. And exhale. And one more inhale. And exhale. Good. And then gently from there, just following your natural breathing pattern, bring yourself into an upright seated position gently. And as you rise up, lifting from the base of your spine, bringing your hands together in front of your heart center. And then gently breathing in. and out another one inhale and exhale one more inhale and exhale And then gently from there, breathing in and out. And then just taking a gentle moment Give thanks for all aspects of yourself. And then if inspired, uh, sending out some of that gratitude, love, compassion out beyond here. Taking another deep breath in. And out. Again, inhale and exhale. Good. And then gently from there, breathing in and out. to thank you for being here in this moment taking the opportunity to receive on so many levels and so as inspired examine where you're at in this moment balance self there 
And then the mind will naturally settle because it's our natural state of being. And then as the mind refines further and further, you will see all things. Uh, don't grasp for this. It shall arrive when the moment is right for each self. And finally, if inspired to dedicate today's practice for the benefit of all beings, feel free to do now in your own words. And I want to thank you. I would like to acknowledge you uh, with a gentle smile, a soft gaze, a deep bow, and a namaste. Be simply. listening to Be Simply. This is Suzanne Toro, aka She. You can anticipate being inspired, discovering some inner and outer wisdom and inspiration. Without further ado, let's dive into Be Simply.